Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Baratapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. The premier HVAC company in the Midlands is growing. Are you a top HVAC technician? AAA Heating and Air is looking for dedicated applicants to fill their fast-growing service department with top-notch HVAC technicians. If you're the best, then they want you. If you're ready to stop working and start a career, you can earn up to $100,000 plus a year at AAA Heating and Air. Quality candidates will have at least two years' experience and a good driving record. Benefits include top industry salaries, commission on service and unit sales, set call limits, company-provided take-home vehicle and gas card, company-provided cell phone and tablet, help, dental, and vision benefits, 401k retirement plan with company match, and scaled PTO based on length of service. Contact Roy and Dana Finley at 803-677-1500 or check out their job postings on Facebook or ZipRecruiter. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs, founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark. The 2007 South Carolina class was... At that time, sixth in the country and fourth in the SEC, which is amazing. West Mitchell. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, you're you're aiming to, to at least be at 50%. Then in theory, you're adding talent, you're getting better, you're putting yourself in a position to compete. And Tyler Head. It's been a great week for South Carolina. On the recruiting front, still certainly plenty to talk about. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5. The Game. Out to the left side. Jaheim Bell's in the backfield. Fake inside. To carry on. Trying the right side. Cut back. Touchdown, Carolina. Touchdown, DeKirion Joyner from three yards out. They fake to Jaheim in a great move from the senior from North Charleston. Puts the Gamecocks in the end zone. And they've got 55 on Tennessee with 9.26 to go. And welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler Weston, Chris, along with you. That was the call on the Gamecocks Radio Network back in November where Carrion Joyner scored one of the many touchdowns against the Tennessee Volunteers. Of course, he was on just a few minutes ago with the Garnet Trust Hour for the second time around. He enjoyed it so much, he decided to come in for a second edition of the Garnet Trust Hour. And Chris, so much to unpack from what Carrion had to say. But, but one of the things that you guys led off with, and we learned this in the media guide the other day, is the amount of weight that he has put on since the spring. And seeing him walking through here just the other day, uh, looked looked bigger, looked healthier, and uh, everything that he said is feeling good and ready to go for the season. 229 in the media guide. And I, now I had to explain, Wes, to on. You could tell he was kind of like going through it and like learning. He was teaching me about football. I was teaching him about the media side. So I had to explain to him how important the media guide is when the new rosters come out. You can see the numbers for the newcomers. You can see the weights, who's gotten bigger, taller, smaller, shorter. Shorter. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Every now and then you'll see the shorter. And he's like, oh, okay, I get it, I get it. But he, he said, I said, hey, can you confirm, are you 229? And he said, yes. He said, I may be 228 because of that workout we just had. <laughs> sometimes you lose a pound or two, but... Yeah, 229, um, he's holding it well. I mean, he, he looks pretty similar to me to what he looked like after the spring where, what was he? I think 
two. I think it was 20, two uh, fifteen, two sixteen. I think was his last okay. listed weight. Yeah, so he's put on yeah. even more. But it, he, um, when did when did we talk to him? Well, it was after the spring. Yeah, he told us he told us in here it was two twenty five. Then did he? Yeah, it was two twenty five. That's right. Yep. So he's put on even a little bit more weight. Yeah, even since the spring, and um, you know, look, looks good. And there were several things that on mentioned to us that he where he's kind of at the peak. So feels the best that he's felt, healthiest he's felt, says he's the most explosive that he's been since he got here, and obviously the biggest that he's been since he's gotten here. And so for a guy that's had a lot, I mean, position changes, misusage sometimes, I think you could argue or probably not even arguable, um, Injury concerns. I mean, there have been several years where DeCarion's dealt with some injuries, even some that haven't really been reported or talked about. Um, everything is, is smooth sailing going into preseason, and you just got to hope that can keep up, particularly the health part of it. I mean, that's the key for him. Yeah. That's, a, that's a spot that, I mean, let's be honest, you get banged up at the running back position. Sort of everybody does, and you're kind of just hoping you can avoid – the avoid the hit that keeps you out for a bunch of games and you know that you can kind of manage and play through the bumps and bruises that come along with getting hit so many times at that position so you know i think pretty much everybody in gamecock nation is pulling for this guy i think uh, you know common maybe theme for the for the offseason has been guys playing with a chip on their shoulder i think joiner you know joiner i think in his day-to-day life pretty laid-back guy. He's got his life together, but I think certainly as far as his own field mindset, there is a chip on his shoulder. There's some evidence of that. He, he, I know he responded to a guy on Twitter the other day who said uh, he thought he was too small to be an every-down back. I think he just responded with his weight to the guy. So everybody's pulling for DK. Hope he has a great year. I think he's, I think he has found a home at that spot. In my head, I have officially put RB by his name. Oh, I thought you were going to say RB1. Are you willing to go that far? Well, I already went that far. Okay, didn't you I? did. Well, I didn't know if you'd updated your thinking since the spring, since the end of spring. I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, I mean, officially, still a running back. I'm still a wide receiver. I know. I don't get that. So, that's, that's another thing. I was explaining that to him in the media guide, too. Like, hey, your position... He was laughing, though, about the, the too small thing. You know, when, when, he, when he came out of high school, he was 200 pounds, you know, senior year. And certainly, you know, looking at him, you go back and look at some pictures of him as a freshman or even that weight. That version of on Joyner was not big enough to go back there and put as a between-the-tackles, every-down type running back. But I don't know what the expectation – I mean, do you need to be 250 to be, <laughs> to be an every-down running back? 229 is plenty – and he doesn't look like the biggest guy. Again, he holds the weight pretty well. Um, but you can tell. You can tell he's gotten bigger. Um, looked pretty similar to me the, to, to what he did to end the spring. Um, 
but he certainly looks bigger than sophomore year, even junior year, and he, mm-hmm. he looks like a guy that can line up and play running back. And obviously we've had the opportunity to hear from a couple of different guys on offense over the course of the past week, including Spencer Rattler and Josh Simon, and you did bring up what Josh Simon had said about the offense being like a well-oiled race car, well-oiled machine, and he, you know, felt that uh, that was a pretty apt description for it. Definitely going to be playing a lot faster. And uh, like everybody we've heard from, DK seems pretty satisfied with all the concepts they've seen so far from D'Lo. Yeah, it's been fascinating because, and I'm not surprised, nobody's going to come in here and say, okay, you know, on third down, this is what we, what Coach Loggins typically likes. And you can expect, you know, 40% of this particular formation. They're not going to give us that. And I think one, one, look, one reason for, how the offense has been discussed in the off season is because you know it is still evolving to a degree. They're going to have things that they're working on during the player run practices. They obviously had things they're working on during the spring, but there are there are going to be some concepts that I think we're going to see consistently, constantly, and some of them are going to be things we saw last season. You don't have to scrap every single thing we saw last year. Some of it worked, obviously, particularly towards the end of the year. So you're going to take the, some of those things, you're going to keep them, and then you're going to add some other pieces, whether that's from the NFL, whether it's from Oklahoma, some of the things that Spencer Rattler liked at Oklahoma, and some of the things that worked out well last year. I think you're going to see some of those mixed. You know, the interesting thing, here's one interesting comment that on had about the offense. He said, you know, don't get the impression that it's super easy, super simple. But he pointed out, that he felt like the offense as a whole was studying even harder. And he did he did say that last year he felt like a lot of the turnover issues, which is an area that Shane Beamer has identified as being a critical area. You know, embarrassingly bad, Shane Beamer told a group of Texas high school coaches the other day. He said that the basically they're kind of thinking and, and not really knowing the offense as well last year. That kind of led to some of that. Guys, I would like to issue a retraction and a correction. Okay. I was going off of the still yet to be updated <coughs> profile on Gamecocks Online. Oh. The media guide actually does list to carry on Joiner as an RB. So Okay. All right, good. So he is on here officially. A six foot one, two hundred and twenty nine pound running back in the media guide, which I think is the accurate way to describe his Good. position. I'm glad. I'm glad we settled that. <laughs> Hate when people make mistakes on the radio. That was so, yes. yes. Why'd y'all do please, that? Please forgive me. No, it's okay. He, he he's a running back all the way. We joked we joked about this with him at the end of spring, yeah. and I think we all thought maybe. Maybe he wouldn't get the the actual official move, but it is official. Even in if you scroll down in the depth or in the uh, there's not a depth chart in the media guide, <laughs> there is a position by position listing of players, and Joiner also listed with the running backs there. Uh, one other thing that he spoke about that I thought was pretty interesting, and Chris, you asked him about you know, the difference in catching out of the backfield, which he didn't feel like was going to be that big of a difference. If anything, he thought catching a little bit of space, being able to use his athleticism, allowing guys to maybe miss a little bit more would kind of work well towards his skill set and what he's going to be able to do out of the backfield. Yeah, I mean, for on, and he, he even said this himself, he's like, 
playing receiver, I was not a big deep threat. I was more of an intermediate type guy. And so I think catching the ball as a running back, yeah, you're going to have some wheel routes and some different things like that. But generally, you're going to be catching the ball, you know, in the flat. You're going to be catching the ball over the middle of the field, intermediate type stuff. And so I think that suits his skill set a little bit better. Um, and he's comfortable operating in those spaces close to the line of scrimmage, you know, from from his time playing quarterback as well. You know, pass protection, he pointed to, unsurprisingly, as being the biggest adjustment. And that's the case for him. That's the case for, you typically hear that being the biggest um, impediment to freshman running backs getting on the field. It's just the pass protection aspect of it. He said it was the most difficult. It's kind of the the biggest learning curve. But, you know, now now you look at it, I mean, DeCarion made a, a pretty smooth, I think, in a relative sense, transition during the spring. But you got to remember, he's, you know, yeah, he's comfortable carrying the ball. He's been in the backfield. It's still a lot different to what you're being asked to do as a running back. And he even pointed out during our talk, hey, like, I feel, I, I was learning the position for the first time. Now he feels a lot more comfortable in the summer going through the player run practices when he gets into preseason camp. He'll have a little bit more of a of a veteran feel, you know, at that position. Absolutely. Well, uh, if you missed any of that conversation with Carry On Joiner, it'll be up on our podcasting page on 1075 The Game shortly. Uh, coming up next, Jay just texted me. He is out at Radio Row at SC Media Days. We'll uh, check in with him and see what's been going on this morning. I know Clark Lee just spoke to the media a few minutes ago. Kirby Smart getting set to take the podium in just a couple of minutes. So we'll check in with Jay out at Media Days. Coming up next on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour, presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Today is Tuesday, right guys? I, right. I need I much more need you to confirm the day than I even need for you to confirm the sub of the day. Because we know for a fact that when it is Tuesday, that it is Tyler's favorite sub. Turkey, bacon, ranch. An excellent combination. I always say two of my three favorite things, really, in the world, bacon and ranch being the two. But uh, you can get a seven ninety nine medium sub from Firehouse Subs or a five ninety nine small. We suggest you just go ahead and get the medium for seven ninety nine. Hit the Rapid Rescue FirehouseSubs.com. Download the app. Uh, that way it's very, very simple for you to save your favorites, handle your payment, then the sub will be waiting for you right there on the shelf. Along with your chips, all you got to do is grab your drink and you'll be on your way for lunch. It is 11-12 right now, so you're about to have to start thinking about lunch. Probably going to hit that lunch break. A great way to starve off that hunger and, of course, to uh, or to stave off that hunger, I guess, is probably the better way to say it. Accurate way to say it. Firehouse subs, I digress. Firehouse subs, sub of the day, Turkey Bacon Ranch, and our proud supporting sponsor right here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. All right, we'll check in with Jay from Radio Row coming up next on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecock. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. 
Here on 107.5 The Game, Tyler, Wes, and Chris in the Herndon Chevrolet Studios in Columbia. It is day number two of SEC Media Days. Clark Lee has already spoken in the media. He's on the uh, panel with SEC Nation right now. And uh, Kirby Smart getting set to take the podium in a little over 10 minutes. And uh, somebody that's going to be in attendance to hear what Kirby Smart has to say, our man on the street out there at Media Days, Jay Phillips, joining us now from Radio Row. Jay, they did a little sweep of the camera on uh, the SEC Network a little bit earlier. I was disappointed that I did not get to see any of our 107.5 The Game, uh, game guys on it. Uh, uh, was the table empty? Did you see our logo? We just weren't here? I, I didn't see the table. I guess they were on the other end, but I was hoping to at least get a glimpse of you guys, but I was, uh, I was disappointed. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll try. We'll try. We, uh, we're, we're near one of their, like, remote sets here across, uh, across from us on Radio Row. So I'll, I'll, I'll try to photobomb somebody if that's what you're really <laughs> wanting me to do. Uh, uh, of course, my, my children would find out about it been disown me so i don't need that in my life uh and speaking of kirby smart by the way i think i'm gonna go downstairs and sell my credential to georgia fans oh are they because <laughs> i think they, they, they infiltrate <laughs> there's me. a couple i've seen i've seen uh, no no not really there's a couple I, I thought there'd be more fans here but the thing is we're so detached from them that we're on the second level and uh fans fans can't simply they literally can't get up here um, so I think that there's some fans in the lobby. Well, but, I, I know, know, not too many. I know when Media Days was out in Hoover, there was always the large contingent of Bama fans that would show up the day that <laughs> oh, Nick God. Saban speaks. I'm not guessing that the Vanderbilt contingent showed up quite as strong today for uh, Clark Lee. I uh, yeah, I didn't see any, but again, I I didn't go down and look. And it is kind of neat. I mean, that's the I think that's this is the only time that uh, a school you know didn't have to travel for media days i mean even bama has to travel a little bit from their campus to hoover so or you know like last year from athens to atlanta but uh anyway uh, but clark clark is an interesting cat um you know very soft-spoken very mild-mannered um I, I i tempering expectation which i think is important you know some vandy coaches i've seen through the years you know james franklin was here you know hey we're gonna you know we're looking to go undefeated you know pumping and look james had a better run at Vanderbilt than I think anyone expected. Probably even James Franklin, if he was truly honest with you. And obviously he's parlayed that into a good gig at Penn State where he needs to win a little bit more. But um, I appreciated what Clark Lee said this morning. Yeah, I, I tweeted it out. We're, we're playing the long game. We're building here. Uh, we're developing here. He's got a guy he's known since seventh grade on his staff, so there's a lot of trust in terms of how they want to do what they do. Um, I could see Clark Lee turning that into another job at some point or you know i i don't know I, I don't know what you guys think or what fans think around the league but i mean tell me why clark lee over time four five six years couldn't begin to turn vanderbilt into something akin to what pat fitzgerald did at northwestern and obviously here in the recent days and weeks that that has become <laughs> A difficult situation to say the least but let's face it i mean he went to a rose bowl man um you know they won games they went to bowls at northwestern uh again the methods may not be appreciated but the results are, are the results so yeah what what page can you take for a, for a school like vandy that has incredibly high academic standards and, and try to do that within the SEC. I, I don't know if you can, but Clark came from Notre Dame where they do the same thing. So we'll see. But, uh, he, you know, 
it was it was interesting. But yeah. Kirby's going to fire everybody up here in a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he did. Clark Lee did temper things down a little bit. I remember last year, he did get himself uh, in the papers, so to speak, because I think he had the comment like, "We know in time, Vandy football is going to be the best program in the country." And it's like, do you mean academic program? Do you, are you counting the, the football as well? Um, but yeah, t- tempered it down a little bit. But I mean, you're right. Like James Franklin has shown, he showed, and he's obviously always a guy that's going to be discussed for every big job James Franklin is. I mean, he's head coach at Penn State right now. Obviously, he's a good coach. He's a good recruiter. But he kind of laid out that, you know, maybe maybe you can do some things there. Maybe you can sneak in a nine-win season at Vanderbilt. I think it requires probably uh, some other things to happen. Like when you look at when James Franklin was doing that, some of the other programs, I think, around the SEC were kind of down, right? But yeah, you know, especially Tennessee. Especially Tennessee. That was a big one. But, like, even looking at Vandy's schedule this year, I mean, I, I do think Clark Lee improved those guys a lot from, you know, year over year. I mean, they, they were a better team overall, I think, last season. And you look at their opening slate of games, you know, their first six or seven games, really their first seven games, I think there's some potential for wins in there. I mean, you – First two, you've got Hawaii and Alabama A&M, right? You, you do have to go to Wake Forest, but you play UNLV on the road. They, they've been horrific. And then you play Kentucky and, Missis- and Missouri at home. You know, you go play a Florida team who has a lot of questions. So I think they have a chance to make a little noise. When, when I say that, I don't mean, hey, they're going to go <laughs> challenge Georgia and Kirby Smart. But I think they have a, a chance to improve themselves, you know, this season. I, I mean, Chris, I'm with you. I could, I could see them winning – well, I mean, heck, man, I, I, I might be able to see them winning all of those games. I don't think they will. But Hawaii, Alabama A&M, Wake Forest, UNLV, Kentucky, Missouri. I, I, you know, again, I mean, it's not, I it's not entirely all. fanciful to That's, think that they can make a little run in, I, the, in that stretch. It's, yeah, I, it's it's not. And look, I mean, just what you and Wes you know, have always concentrated your, your careers on, man, is is the acquisition of talent. I mean, that's... This is college, you know. This is college football, man. You go, go get some players and 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 see what you can do. But that's that's what Bandy lacks. You know, they just yeah. they don't have enough talent, and 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 the school is not going to acquiesce too no. much in terms of what it wants. But I remember Bobby Johnson at least got a little like kind of what Lou Holtz did at Notre Dame. Hey, for the kids that are on the border here, let me let me get them in and let's see what they can do. Uh, I'm not asking you to to tone it down academically but let me get them in and let's see what we can work with and you know if they can do a little bit of that like i said why can't you be what northwestern was to to some degree or what stanford has been to some degree uh you know nobody wants you to dumb down your academics no pun intended but anyway we'll we'll see but it it was interesting but again then there's kirby who let's face it y'all if he doesn't win a title dadgummit kirby why didn't you win another title (laughs) standing on the table sort of the opposite end of the spectrum you well, know? yeah, I mean that's all that that's all they expect in in Athens anymore. Well, and and to talk about expectations, so let's go to another program, another coach we heard from yesterday. So Jimbo Fisher chatted yesterday. Uh, lots of words per minute. Could you, could you catch everything he said, Jay? Were you able? Man, did you no, but I knew exactly. That's no, but that I, somebody did. God bless him because we had the transcript available on the web, and I'm like, I, I knew what he was going to do. That's what he does. I, I'm like Jimbo. It's okay, man. You can you can slow down a little. I, I don't, but maybe he can't. I don't know if that dude like drinks five can. hour energies. I don't I don't know what there's, he does, but he uh, 
So he just doesn't want you to ask him a question. There's a development opportunity there where somebody can come up with the, the AI that can transcribe Jimbo Fisher's press conferences <laughs> quickly and accurately. But he, he did, in all seriousness, have an interesting comment. The one about the offense and Bobby Petrino, he did not want to answer that. Wes and I were talking about this yesterday. It was kind of silly. Like, it was your typical, like, paranoid SEC head coach answer. But he, you know, he was asked something to the extent, I'm paraphrasing, of, hey, is Bobby Petrino going to call plays? And you would think, uh, with all the It should be a very simple answer. Very simple, right? Because... (laughs) Yeah, it's a yes or no question. It's yes or no, especially when, if you're Jimbo, it sounds kind of weird. You're a little bit on the hot seat. Everybody wants you to give up the keys to the offense, which you've been very reluctant to do during your career. And you're bringing in Bobby Petrino, who, by the way, is really good at it. And he's like, nah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. You know, we'll see. He might He might call him. He might make some suggestions. I believe he used the word hopefully. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. it is literally your decision. <laughs> you're, you're not bringing Bobby Petrino in and, and not having him call the plays, in my opinion. I think the harder part, in my opinion, is, is Jimbo Fisher letting go. And we, we see a lot of coaches do that. I, I don't want to like apply it to Will Muschamp, who was a defensive coach, but I, I just I really think that there were times that, that when Will what sunk Will, amongst other things, was an inability to let go of control and, and trust other people to do their job, which is something I you know, we saw Shane last year take some control of the offense from Marcus middle of the season. I was talking about that off air with a, a guy from Memphis earlier. Yeah, y'all remember like I think it was the A and M game. Um like three carries for Marshawn in the first half and then like 17 or 18 in the second half. It's like, Marcus, put the ball in the hands of people that can, you know, use the ball effectively. And, and, and Shane, my point is, Shane trusts his coaches to, to do their job in a large way, but when he doesn't, then he'll, he'll take control. I don't know if Jimbo can do that. I don't, uh, that that's going to be the hard part for him, I think, as a person, is can I give it to this guy? And... Um, I've heard a lot of people kind of whispering, man, that could be a real personality clash. So, But I'm with you, Wes. It, it should be an easy answer. Uh, yes, Bobby's going to call plays. No, I'm going to call plays. It, it's, it, it really is that simple. But I, I don't think you're paying Bobby Petrino one and a half to, to install an offense and then not manage it. That's my opinion. Right. All right, Jay, we'll let you go. We know you're going to get in there and listen to Kirby speak for a few minutes. Yeah, Kirby back time. On and then uh, the, let you all uh, know real quick. Uh, we got Dari Noka today from the SEC Network. We got uh, the great Tony Barnhart, one of my favorite people. We got Bill Hancock. And we got Matt Moscona from uh, ESPN Radio Baton Rouge uh, following up from uh, Brian Kelly's visit yesterday. So a packed halftime show coming your way, plus sound from Kirby and Clark, too, and whatever else going on. So you boys have fun. Appreciate you. Talk to you in a little bit. All right. Thanks, Jay. And, again, all that coming up on the halftime show starting at uh, noon. We'll uh, react to a little bit of sound from yesterday's media day coming up next on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Hey, switching is easy. We do it all the time with a lot of different things. One area you may not think about switching very often is on your insurance, but maybe you should. Go take a look at it. Do you know what type of coverage do you have Do you know what you're paying? Do you know, basically, when it comes down to it, do you have good insurance? If you don't, or if you're not sure, may want to give our friends at Amy Mason Cup State Farm a call or visit her website at amymasoncup.com to see how her team can help you, just like her team helped 
my family. They're ready to welcome you to the State Farm neighborhood, and they're ready to help you see how you can switch and save. It's easy to switch and save with Amy Mason Cup State Farm. Again, it's amymasoncup.com or 803-772-5554. All sorts of insurance policies, home, auto, business, boat, renter's life, anything that you may need access to on the insurance front. Amy Mason Cup State Farm, her team, they have you covered. She's a South Carolina native. She's a local agent, and she and her team can give you a personalized quote to meet your needs and help you save. Her office is just off the St. Andrews Road exit off I-26, 612 St. Andrews Road, Suite 4 in Columbia. That's Ashland Park Plaza. So if you want to learn how to switch and save with great insurance, give Amy Mason Cup State Farm a call today, 803-772-5554, amymasoncup.com. When you want the real deal like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We'll react to what we heard in media days yesterday. Coming up next, Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs, 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecock, 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs here on 1075 The Game. Tyler, Wes, and Chris along with you as we follow all things SEC Media Days. Watching it on the SEC Network right now. Kirby Smart getting set to take the podium. But things led off yesterday morning with Greg Sankey giving a, a very long opening monologue. We carried it for you here on 1075 The Game. I think it clocked in at about 30 minutes before somebody was finally able to ask him a question. But, but a lot of things happening in this offseason for Commissioner Sankey to address. And one of the things that he talked about, something that it's kind of flying under the radar with everything going on with NIL and whatnot, is is the rule changes coming to college football in 2023. And, and one of those big things, obviously, being the change to the clock itself, no longer stopping on first downs except for in the final two minutes of the first half. And here is what Commissioner Sankey had to say about that yesterday. Uh, there was research done on kind of the look and the feel. So there'll be some adjustments as things move along rapidly. Uh, the reality of the game of college football is you have a variety of offensive approaches. In some games, I don't think you'll even notice it because things happen so rapidly now. Um, I think people need to study. When I talked about spending time with John McDade tomorrow in this room, um, that's about learning and making sure one understands how the, 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 the new rules will operate. Uh, part of the learning experience is you do reduce the number of plays in a game. It is an incremental step, though, to keep the game moving along um, at a, an interesting pace. I'll use that phrase. That's my invention, not the rules committee. Uh, we're going to have to be mindful of the outcomes and mindful that perhaps there are other adjustments that can be made. Uh, it's interesting to read the history of college football, so I just finished a book um, that goes back to the late 1800s, early 1900s. Uh, Jim Thorpe's biography was the most recent, and realized, you know, the passing game was inserted 100 years ago to college football. And we still have elements of the rules from 100 years ago that guide our thinking around college football. Uh, and I think it's an appropriate update. Uh, definitely a long answer there, and kind of going back to what he was saying at the beginning, there is an expectation that the number of plays per game is going to be down, and you would imagine that scoring is going to be down just a little bit. But this is one of those kind of things that we're not really going to know how much of an effect it's going to have on the game until we start playing here in a couple of weeks. Not a fan. Um, 
you know, I, I think let, let's compare it to Major League Baseball and rule changes there and things to quote unquote speed up the game. Those those rules have actually been fantastic. But what the Major League Baseball rule changes have done is they've just sped up the standing around time. You actually don't have less baseball right. involved. Uh, the, the thing that I, I, I get that you want to sort of put all games in this nice little box where you can know exactly how long they're going to last so you can schedule out your, your next game for TV. And so you can schedule out all your commercials and know exactly what you're doing with. And the the less variety there is, the less variance on how long these games are, and in this case, the shorter the games are, the more easily you can maybe plan that out and you can fit in more commercials or, or more games on TV, even potentially long-term. However, I hate the fact that even with the addition of this rule, you... You only said we're going back to the regular rule where it stops, uh, you know, clock stops two minutes in, two minutes left in the game. Because I feel like the end game is in place much earlier in the fourth quarter than just two minutes. Sure. And so I think I could stomach this a little bit easier if maybe it was final six or even final four minutes of a game that you go back to your traditional rules because I, I just dislike rules that actually sort of change the way winners and losers are being determined. Throughout the course of the game, it's less football, but maybe doesn't really affect things a ton. Sure. But to me, this is a pretty big adjustment to the way games are completed. When you look at like some of the NBA rule changes in the past – they encourage scoring. They encur- they encourage pace of play, right? So, you know, compare a 1990s NBA game to now, even though they're, I haven't commissioned a study on it, there's probably more stoppages because if you breathe on somebody, sometimes it's a foul, right? And so then you're going to the foul line, and so there's more opportunities to score. Then there's a lot of reasons that there's more scoring in nowadays in, in professional basketball. The point is, to go off what Wes is saying, you know, those rule changes, when they're put in, they enhance the enjoyment of the game because you're, you're seeing more scoring, yeah, more fouls, more, more silly fouls called, more flopping, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it creates more excitement. It creates more scoring. Now, with this college football rule, we're kind of going the opposite way. So, basically, what we're going to do is we're going to get less plays in a game, we think. And, I mean, that's not much of a leap to say that. Sure. We're still going to get the same amount of commercials. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Might Red, get even more. Red, hat, Probably more. red hat guy will be on the field just as many times. The most yeah. disliked guy in the entire state. I really don't like that guy. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I don't like him. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't, I don't really get... The, the reasoning behind this, like at its core, you know, you're shortening the length of the game. Okay. I, I, imagine, I imagine there was a lot of pressure from networks as well, because if you look at it, a lot of college football games tend to float around that three and a half hour mark, which if four you look, hours, yeah, yeah, how they kind of block these things off, they usually don't put them in a four hour window and you're always having the next game starting on ESPN News or ESPN2 or whatever. Yep. So I imagine there was some pressure on the back end from 
the networks to maybe clean this up a little bit. And I, I'm guessing that it will bring the time of games down pretty significantly. But as you mentioned there, it's also going to force teams to play a lot faster. And I'd be interested to know from the perspective of uh, Lane Kiffin or a Q Freeze, an offensive-minded coach, how maybe, the, how maybe their approach to calling games is different with this rule change now in place. Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to think about this on the fly, the exact effects of this. Um, some teams may actually play things slower. Because if you, it, it depends on your strategy. If you are, if you're an up-tempo team, you're probably getting to the line of scrimmage and you're snapping the ball quickly. Anyway, if you are, if you know that you're sort, if you want to go Lou Holtz, you know, we're going to run the football, we're going to play sneak. defense, we're going to try to shorten the game because we know we're outmatched. You know, may, maybe, maybe this plays into the other side of this where you, you actually can, keep the clock moving, obviously, in, in more situations. I will say this. I'll, I'll play against my uh, – I'll play devil's advocate to my own opinion. They've gotten so quick a lot of times at setting the chains during the course of a game. Mm-hmm. It, it almost feels like they are slower. They're, they're more deliberate about stopping the clock, setting the chains, and letting a team almost get lined up in – end-of-game situations, it feels like to me. Whereas a lot of times, there were times last year being in the stadium, it felt like they were they were almost doing a running clock anyway because they, they get everything lined up so quickly, they go ahead and, and set everything. Sure. But as far as end-of-game, again, that, that's just where I, I think this affects a lot. If you've if you got three and a half minutes to go in a game, you, know, you are very much changing the way a, a game could play out. Yeah, do, do more people sit on the ball, you know, a little bit more. The 2011 Bama LSU game, nine to six in overtime. I was going back and looking at that. Looks like LSU LSU had 17 passing attempts and 41 rushes. So they ran, and, and Bama, Bama looks like ran about 60 offensive plays in that game in a game that was in overtime. Right. And I don't know how long that game lasted. But I, I don't think we go back to like the <laughs> the dinosaur ages, but... Sure. It, it could be well, interesting with how these offensive coaches, how they structure your game plan. And you mentioned some teams particularly, you know, maybe trying to slow it down a little bit. Something we see a lot in the NFL, long sustained drives, especially when you're running the ball a lot, have the potential to chew up eight, nine, sometimes even ten minutes the longer that they go. And that's something we didn't really, haven't really seen a lot in college football. But you get a team like Georgia that's trying to milk the clock at the end of the game or something like that. They could realistically run off. Nine ten minutes before the other team touches the ball again in the fourth quarter, just by taking advantage of this rule change. Yeah, we were talking the other day about the uh, the uh, Auburn South Carolina game two thousand six. Auburn dominates; they have the ball an entire quarter, mm-hmm. third quarter, I think it was of that game. So, will be interesting. One one that I I think I need to revisit this. I think I like this because it doesn't seem like a big deal at all. Smaller rule change within that same package is if you have end of first quarter, end of third quarter. If there's a penalty, it just carries over to the next quarter. Yeah. So there's not an untimed down. That might save, I don't know, a couple minutes off the game. I don't have a problem with that one. Of course, that's here or there. That's not a big deal. Yeah, it's not something you're going to see. It may save a little bit of time. Sure. And and that's about it. Yeah. It it Um, basically could shave off one play every 
fifth or sixth game, yeah, tenth if, game, yeah. if that, you know, like yeah, who, know, does, who yeah. knows what the data will Kinda even say, but it's not really. That's something you're not going to notice. Yeah, you won't. You won't notice. And it's not really going to affect. Sure. The end of game situation whatsoever. Sure. Um. So, I'm trying to look at this real quickly. Have y'all seen? So there, there's no changes to the actual play clock. Is that right? To my knowledge, that's correct. Okay. It's just the play, uh, the uh, game clock itself. Okay. So, and, you know, there's always unintended consequences with these kind of rule changes that I'm sure we'll see come to a head at some point early on in the season. And there may need to be some adjustments in the offseason, but definitely going to change the way that you watch college football this upcoming fall. Uh, we'll come back on the other side and wrap up today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. 107.5 The Game. Our friends over at Integrated Media, Michael and Nathan, can do so much for your home. I've said this a lot, but if you need something as small and as simple, may not be as simple as you think, as mounting a TV to something as complex as an entire smart home system, whatever your needs are from an audiovisual standpoint inside your home, they can do it for you. They can install a security system complete with cameras and monitoring TV installations, audio, video, home theater, video games. They can do one of those things or they can tie it all into one integrated smart home system for you. What is a smart home system? Well, that's a way you can bring your home into the modern age. You can control from your smartphone everything from lighting, your thermostat, sound systems, television, security cameras, and your alarm system. Even have preset lighting themes. Too hot or too cold, you can change that. Just the touch of a button from your smartphone with your smart home service from Integrated Media. It's getting hot outside, as we know. Lots of people spending time outdoors. Check out what they can do for you on your outdoor patio, your screen porch, or if you're heading indoors because you are too hot in your man cave. They can do so many custom solutions for you, audio-visual solutions from Integrated Media. 803-948-8327. Check out some inspiration photos and examples of past work. Integrated Media Columbia on Facebook and Instagram or integratedmediainc.com. Again, that's our friends Michael and Nathan at Integrated Media, 803-948-8327. Give them a call. All right, we'll wrap up the uh, today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Coming up next on 107.5 The Game. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Chris Clark, Wes Mitchell, and Tyler Head. On your home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. And welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Tyler, Wes, and Chris with you for a few more minutes. We're heading back out to SEC Media Days with Jay on the Halftime Show. For the next couple of minutes, just wanted to hit on something Wes and I were talking about yesterday, and that was Malcolm Ziegler, as he did announce his commitment yesterday afternoon at 1 o'clock. Unfortunately, not going the way of the Gamecock as he did commit to UNC, uh, where he will go uh, next season. And I had no idea this happened, but he had a pretty cool commitment video uh, highlighting a moment Back from when he was a kid and his dad returning home from military service that took place at a UNC home game. So certainly a lot of special connections there to the Tar Heels, but uh, uh, quite a miss for uh, South Carolina, unfortunately. Yeah, if, if I known that, if I had known that video existed, then I don't think I would have given South Carolina any shot to land him. A uh, pretty cool moment for his family. Uh, you can go check that out on Malcolm's Twitter 
Malcolm Ziegler's at just at Malcolm Ziegler. But yeah, his uh his dad surprised him with a return from tour of duty as a I mean, I don't know, eight year old kid, just a guess, um at UNC's football stadium. So I'm I'm sure that probably created uh quite a bit of um just feelings that it, it doesn't appear left when, when he became a top target for them. South Carolina gave it their best run here, uh, from what I was told, on the on the South Carolina end. You know, just getting him away from home, you know, ended up being a, a really tough pull. That, that the location played a big part there. And, um, I mean, this kid can play. I, I would say that regardless of where he went. I'm a, I'm a v- big fan of his game. I kind of compared him athletically to to a local guy like a Shaq Roland as far as just being long and the ability to to move smoothly and effortlessly on the field. Played some receiver, played some uh, played some other positions, but profiles. You know, he's listed as a safety. I actually think this guy probably, depending on scheme and opponent, could could be a cornerback potentially as well. So good get for North Carolina. South Carolina tried to play spoiler. It was not to be. Yeah, I mean, that. this is one where, Wes, I think it could have closed out the safety class for South Carolina because you have David Busey out of Savannah. You have Kelvin Hunter. He's an in-state guy. Malcolm Ziegler. Now, he's got some positional versatility, but he would have really put the cherry on top, I think, for a potential safe, three-man safety class. He's a dude. For South Carolina, you got some other ones out there, some other options. He would have been a really good one. So we'll see where things go from here. Still a lot of time this summer to follow a lot more recruiting storylines. Absolutely, and that'll do it for today's edition of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs. Halftime show with Jay and Terry with Jay live at Media Days coming up next here on 107.5 The Game. Hay dos cosas que son absolutamente ciertas. Abuelita te ama y nunca diría que no a McDonald's. Date un gusto con un Grandma McFlurry en tu orden hoy. Es lo que abuela quisiera. Barapapapa. En McDonald's Participantes por Tiempo Limitado.